just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. What can the city do about homelessness? It already feels like the only issue in this year's mayoral race. And since we are in the midst of a freezing cold winter, let's waste no time getting into it. Today, we bring you the second of a three-interview series with candidates Michael Valentine and Rocky Anderson and current Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall. So often in election cycles, we get sound bites, but I think it's good to wade deeper on these important topics. So I sat down with each and asked questions specific to their record and their policy ideas around homelessness. As always, we edit our conversations for length and clarity. This is my discussion with current mayoral candidate Rocky Anderson, who also served as mayor from 2000 to 2008. It's Wednesday, March 1st. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Rocky Anderson, you were mayor of Salt Lake City from 2000 to 2008. You're running again, and you've been pretty outspoken about homelessness this time around. How would you characterize what the city's approach to homelessness should be? The city's approach to homelessness should be centered on a compassionate approach toward those who are in need and solving the problems that brought them into homelessness in the first place to the extent possible and applying an equal compassion toward everybody else in our community. The residents, the families who live here that want to use our parks without encampments, the people who want to go downtown without encampments and human feces and urine around. The solutions that are used by those successful programs serve the interests of everybody, residents, businesses, and members of the homeless community. I'd love to hear what are some of the solutions that you would suggest putting forward that are within the scope of the city? First of all, we need to commit to get rid of all the encampments spread throughout the community, and with that, some of the criminal element. But you don't do that unless you've got alternatives. That's why we've got the situation we have now is those alternatives haven't been provided. When the road home shelter was closed, it was a disaster in the making. When they spread out these scattered so-called resource centers that are really nothing more than shelters, they're not really transitioning many people into anything better. Uh, they're all full, and they ended up with four, almost 400 fewer beds among these resource centers that cost so many millions of dollars to build and to operate than were available with 1,100 beds at the road home shelter. What we should do now, at least as a temporary measure, is have a sanctioned camp area, and it could be little shelters, whether it's bringing people 
together in tents like they do in Denver, but get people out of this horrendous killer weather uh, like they're doing now at the Methodist Church. A bunch of nonprofits and volunteers had to do it because the city failed to do it and give them a place where they're going to be safe from these police raids. And it's not only the police pushing them out. I've been there. They will go in. They got the heavy equipment. They take people's tents. They destroy them. All of their survival gear, their clothing, their sleeping bags, their blankets. I, 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 I truly think we will look back and see what's going on with the homeless encampments now and the failure to provide alternatives, that this is the greatest moral failing toward those most in need ever in our city's history. And then longer term, we, we need to get back to what so many people were doing when I was mayor. And I don't take credit for this. We, we were doing a lot in the city, uh, but so were others, other governmental entities, the philanthropic community. We were, we were building and renovating like crazy to provide permanent supportive housing for chronically homeless people. We had a place that was built Sunrise uh, Metro Mm -hmm. down on 6 South. That was the first project-based housing facility like this. That set the course for so many other of these facilities that were built for chronically homeless people. But the important really fundamental aspect of this was they had the supportive services. We're not going to solve these problems if we don't, first of all, get people who are there just because of economic situations and get them jobs, get them the benefits that that they're entitled to. And uh, then, of course, you've got a big substance abuse problem. You've got a mental illness problem, and we need to absolutely commit in every instance to provide services and treatment for those who are in need. And it's much more economical to do that. I can tell this is an important issue to you, and your campaign has certainly focused on it. When you first announced your candidacy, the Salt Lake Tribune quoted you, and I'm going to read the quote. I'm (laughs) sure you're sick of hearing it by now. We need to identify the reasons for a person being homeless, then give them a choice. You go to where there's shelter or you go to jail. If there's a mental health issue, you go in for an evaluation and possibly treatment. You're not going to be lying in front of a building to where people have to step over you to get inside. Yep. That's the end of the quote. It seemed pretty shocking, though you have said that it was taken out of context. I was clearly talking about those who have offended against the law. Uh, Mm -hmm. Consistent with what I did for eight years as mayor, we set up the nation's most comprehensive restorative justice program where we're focused not on punishment and retribution, but with solving problems. In fact, we had a homeless court. So if people were committing uh, crimes, if they were arrested and it was in connection with their homelessness, we'd try to address those underlying problems. And it was all about the restorative justice approach, and for those who offend against the law, try to divert them out of jail and get them into programs that will address the underlying problem. And and I I don't blame you, you know, for having misunderstood that because what happened was the Tribune, and I I don't think they did this purposely, but they 
They just grabbed a couple of sentences and put it on Instagram. So that's what people read. And if they didn't go and read the entire article, they would have thought, God, who is this guy? He just he wants to make homelessness illegal. That was not at all the truth. What I was saying is if people violate the law, you know, if somebody is shooting up heroin, like they were doing out in front of my office building on 3rd South and State and Main Street, enforce the law, but let's get them into drug court. Let's get them, let's help solve the problem. Let's intervene like we do in our own families when there are substance abuse problems. The rest of us have an interest in cleaning the place up, but that person needs help. It shouldn't ever be about just taking them in, arresting them, putting them in jail, and then having them go through what is a rather bizarre criminal justice system that ought to be focused on problem solving rather than punishment and retribution. Mm -hmm. So thank you for allowing me to address that. And it was really talking about, let's all do better for those who offend against the law, and especially those who are in need, those who have substance abuse problems, those who have mental illness issues. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Well, you've been mayor before, and you've said that you're running on your record. So we asked folks from the time, reporters, service providers, who were all you know, in the mix when you were mayor to characterize for us how you handled homelessness. 
And they didn't really have anything to say. Essentially, the gist was that it wasn't a big priority for your administration. So I'd love to ask you, how would you describe how you handled it at the time? Well, it, it was a huge priority. Matt Minkovich knows it was a huge priority. He was director of The Road Home. Uh, we directed a lot of funding, like uh, the Community Development Block Grant money. Uh, we helped finance the operation. Uh, there were always adequate shelters for people who were homeless in the community. I can tell you, I would walk through like Pioneer Park Everybody knew me by name. It was friendly. They knew I had their back. During the Olympics, we were the only host city, and this was much because of my initiative. I said, we are going to expect a lot of lot more homeless people in Salt Lake City during the Olympics. We're not going to do like Atlanta did and buy people one-way bus tickets out of town or make these mass arrests like Atlanta did before the Olympics. We are going to recognize everybody's civil and human rights. We provided a 450-bed overflow shelter. It was absolutely unprecedented. I mean, we're all learning and growing every day, and these issues are nuanced, and they're evolving constantly. Reflecting back, because that was 20 years ago when you took office, a little over 20 years ago, are there things you would have done differently or what you wish you knew at the time? The one thing I wish I had done differently now looking back, but it wasn't ever a problem. Nobody ever came to me and said, we need public toilets because people, we had bathrooms in Pioneer Park. Did you know that the only public permanent bathrooms in Pioneer Park have been demolished? Did you know that they lock the public restrooms at Liberty Park? If you're just you, if you're Allie and you need to go relieve yourself and you're in Pioneer Park, you're out of luck. Imagine being a member of the homeless community. You don't have access to a bathroom. Sanitation is a fundamental human right. Everybody has the right to sanitation and, and when they need to relieve themselves to access to a toilet, not stooping behind a garbage bin in the alley. So yeah, getting back to your initial question, is there anything I wish I had done? Uh, we, we were building so much housing, building all of this permanent housing for the chronically homeless. The one thing I wish I had done, and, and even though nobody asked for it, was I wish I'd put in public toilets because there is such a crying need for that. I wish you had as well. Uh, we talk about public restrooms a lot on this show. I want to talk about the Olympics. You were the mayor in the lead up to and during the Olympics. Right. And a group of community advocacy organizations at, that at the time called themselves the Salt Lake Impact Coalition created a report card around the games. And they gave the games a C plus on impact mitigation. They did note like good work with creating an overflow shelter, as you mentioned. But they said that people were evicted from motels and low-income apartments to make room for visitors to the games. I'd love to know, what did your administration do to either prevent that or support people that were being evicted at the time? Well, actually, that, that, that was part of the problem that we knew we were going to have and, and why we put in a 450-bed overflow shelter is for those at the very bottom rungs that are just barely hanging on that were going to be evicted. 
that, that they would have a place and they'd be taken care of. And we fed them as well uh, during that period of time. But uh, I, I think that kind of price gouging is unconscionable. Um, I, I think those who engaged in it, I just think people like that ought to be exposed and, and that there needs to be a societal ethic against it that drives better public policy. And I think with enough time, I came into office, by the way, uh, without a whole lot of lead time going into the Olympic Games. Um, but I I think there, you need to take care of your own. Yeah. You took office in 2000, right? So it would have been a two-year lead time yeah. to yeah. the Olympics. Was there anything that the city could have done at the time to be preventative around evictions? I know the legislature makes these things difficult, so I'm genuinely asking. Yeah, they they, they do. And, and, and they also don't, care about local control. I think long-term, the solution to that is uh, providing affordable housing where people aren't going to be evicted. And the way to do that is not this neoliberal approach where you, you do everything according to what the market might allow, mm -hmm. but we should start building using the borrowing power of the city and all the millions of dollars that we've been subsidizing developers with, we should build social housing, mixed income social housing. And if we did that, I mean, we've all got an interest in the quality of our built environment, the architecture. We're, we all marvel at what a great main library building we have, for instance. We don't all marvel about the quality of the architecture of all these apartments that are sprouting up all over the city and that are unaffordable, the way to get around that is for the city to control it. Let's go out and get the best architects we can, build a beautiful built environment, have mixed income housing, affordable housing, because even upper middle class people can't afford to live in Salt Lake City anymore. And if we had that kind of affordable housing, people wouldn't be wondering, geez, if we have the Olympics, am I going to get evicted from my housing? But I guess my question is, like, looking at the housing crisis that we're in now, it would seem to me that the time to have been implementing preventative measures and thinking about long-term housing would have been 20 years ago because we saw tremendous growth here between 2000 and 2010. A lot of people have attributed that, as you said, to the popularity and success of the Olympics. How were you thinking about the need for housing back then and for future residents? Well, it, th this is really interesting because Mayor Mendenhall stated in her State of the City address and then also in a recent campaign email that the city did not invest anything. She said in both of them, not one dime in affordable housing until 2009. That's just a documentable falsehood. Even before I was mayor, Look at the first two uh, um, art space projects. Obviously, there was city money. Uh, we had Salt Lake City Housing Authority. So we were focused like a laser on providing more affordable housing. And when I was mayor during those eight years, and I know times have changed, uh, there have been other factors come into play, but this was by far a more affordable, welcoming city to people of all income levels. And anybody who was here at the time knows very well 
that that situation has been transformed now to one where our city's being built out with with what are in many instances pretty unattractive but unbelievably unaffordable housing for most people. Mm-hmm. What was your role specifically in planning for affordable housing long term? It was in 2000, the first year I was mayor, that we set up the uh, housing trust fund, Salt Lake City Housing Trust Fund, that had a great legacy, millions of dollars going out. So we had a, a first-time home buyers program. We had, through this housing trust fund, money available for people who wanted to rehabilitate affordable housing, who wanted to construct new affordable housing, who needed to do repairs on affordable housing. It was a major focus of our administration. Were you supportive of inclusionary zoning policies at the time? Yes. Or any other land use policy changes Absolutely. that would have yeah. led to more I, affordable housing? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was the one, you know, people would come in and talk to me about housing, like from, from uh, Crossroads Urban Center. And I said, we should have inclusionary zoning. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, we had a council. I mean, you look at the composition of our council at the time, uh, there, there was no way to get that. But that's one means that you can get more affordable housing is just yeah. tell developers, hey, if you're going to build here, you're, you are going to do it within the scope of our goals as a city. As I said, I mean, I think the, the quality of our built environment, just aesthetically what our city is, we've got, all got an interest in that. We've also all got an interest in affordability. We want students, we want nurses, we want firefighters and police and teachers to be able to afford to live in our city. And that, that kind of uh, diversity of opportunity is so crucial for a sustainable city. And mm-hmm. we're losing a lot of that now. And that would be a major emphasis of my administration. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that you bring up that the council at the time wasn't supportive of inclusionary zoning policies. Because when we think about this issue of housing and specifically homelessness, it's often pointed out that it relies on a broad coalition, right? The state, the county, city leaders working together. Salt Lake City alone cannot solve this problem. It is no secret that you have a history, Rocky, of being very strong-willed. Do you think you can bring people to the table on this now? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got great friendships with Republican legislators. I know there's this urban legend that, you know, I used to make them mad because I'd, I opposed the, the initial illegal legacy highway and this whole notion of building new highways rather than mass transit. That was the right stand to take. And I knew I'd ruffle a few feathers, but Mm -hmm. these people know I can get it done. They know that we might have our political differences, but they also know they're going to hear it from me straight and that I get the job done. Once Mm -hmm. we set our goals, that we can make things happen as we did for eight years. And I'm really proud. And it's not just one person. Yeah, it's always a team. You bring in a great team, a world-class team. That's another urban legend is, oh, yeah, I'm really tough on people, and I fired a lot of people. Well, 
if you're not doing your job, I'll tell is you. Is it an urban legend if it's in the Salt Lake Tribune? <laughs> yeah. You know what else you'll find in the Salt Lake Tribune? Or maybe it was Deseret News. We did uh, surveys among city employees every two years. We had the, the best morale in the mayor's office of any department in city government. We were like a, this impassioned family, all working toward the kinds of things we felt so strongly about. You know, people came into city government and those who lasted with me were those who were so impassioned that they worked hard and they did their very best to bring about real accomplishments, not just talking the talk, but actually walking the walk and getting it done. Well, and this is the my last question on this, but you know, when we think about the issue of abatements, which you brought up as being, I think you described as being inhumane, this is, I think, probably the most obtuse way that a lot of us are engaging with this issue right now is watching videos from abatements. And those are those are handled by the city and the county in tandem. And when we think about what it would look like to reform that process, Salt Lake County Mayor Jenny Wilson she and the, her team at the county would need to be allies. But she wrote an op-ed saying that she thinks you're too divisive to be Salt Lake City's mayor. You yeah, want to so to divisive that? because I spoke out against the war, because I spoke out against the Legacy Highway. Utah is full of go-along-to-get-along politicians, and that's why we see so little progress. So you don't want to work with Jenny Wilson? <laughs> <laughs> I'll work with her. I mean, I... <laughs> I can work with anybody. Like, I mean, if I can work with some of these right-wing legislators on things, it, it serves us all to get along and try to focus where we can. If you want to use the word divisive, some people use the word principled, and I'm willing to stand up on issues that a lot of Utah politicians will never address. Former mayor and current mayoral candidate Rocky Anderson, thank you for your time. Thank you, Allie. Good talking to you. As Rocky mentioned, Mayor Erin Mendenhall said in her State of the City address that before 2009, Salt Lake City didn't invest in affordable housing. We were curious about this idea because in Rocky's 2007 State of the City address, he said the city had used nearly $30 million from local and federal funding sources to support affordable housing units. So we followed up with the city to clarify. They told us facilitating affordable housing is different from the city itself writing checks to fund it. So it's a matter of whether you think facilitating something is the same as making a direct financial investment. I leave it up to you. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. If you missed my conversation yesterday with mayoral candidate Michael Valentine, give it a listen. He makes his case as someone who was previously unsheltered. And we will be back tomorrow morning with our final conversation in this series with current SLC Mayor Aaron Mendenhall. Bye for now.